Praise the Lord. We are going to begin today's episode by turning to the gospel according to St. Mark. And we will start to read from verse 13 of chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 13 to 16. Here the scripture says, And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, we bless you for another opportunity to look into your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit will give us understanding in these words, in Jesus' name. Amen. So today as we consider the topic, bring them to Jesus for a touch. Now, I would like to emphasize some words here in the topic. First is, bring them. May I say that the children will not come to Jesus on their own. Many of us as parents have taken for granted the need to consciously bring our children to the saving knowledge of God. Perhaps we assume it will happen by and by. It won't happen by and by without someone taking the initiative to tell them and bring them. The book of Romans chapter 10 verse 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So what that passage is saying is that somebody must bring them to the saving knowledge of God. Somebody must bring the saving gospel to them. And I believe we as parents are well positioned too. Now the second word I want to emphasize is to Jesus. He said bring them to Jesus. Why do we need to emphasize this? Many times, many parents take their children to church. Now, bringing them to Jesus is not the same thing as taking them to church. It is not the same thing as bringing them to the pastor or children teacher. Now, while all these people have their own roles, they do not substitute for Christ. We must bring our children to Jesus for a touch. And that brings me to the last emphasis, for a touch. As the parents in the passage we read brought the children for a touch. Christ never touches in vain. Throughout the scriptures, his touch conveyed many things. Healing, creation, blessings, wholeness, deliverance, among others. So what does it mean when we say, bring them to Jesus for a touch? When Jesus was in the world and children were brought to him, it might have been a matter of sight for those children, but for the parents, they desired more than just the children seeing Jesus. They desired a touch, a spiritual touch. Now, knowing Jesus is spiritual and seeing all the miracles he has done, they knew that there was something about Jesus. Now, in our own time, Jesus is not sitting in a specific place where we can take the children to. So, the meaning of bringing our children to Christ has changed. 
So it's no longer about the physical sight of Jesus or a physical touch by the spiritual Christ, but it is about the spiritual sight of Jesus and the spiritual touch of Jesus. Are you with me now? And this happens by faith. So we should comprehend bringing them to Jesus as a spiritual act and the touch being a spiritual touch. That is the emphasis we are laying in this teaching. Now, having said this, you find in the text we just we read that the parents or guardians or those that brought the children have intentionally brought the children to Jesus. But you will notice the response of rebuke from the disciples. The question here is why did the disciples rebuke the parents for bringing the children? Perhaps like many of us today, we think that salvation is for quotes unquote the mature minds or for adults or perhaps we say within ourselves that the children will not understand. May I start by saying that salvation is not an adult thing. And that's why Jesus said for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God desires that children are brought to him. Jesus was much displeased about the actions of his disciples. In the same vein, Christ is displeased with actions of parents or overzealous disciples of Christ who screen children away from him either intentionally or unintentionally. Do you know that the same Christ who accepted the children brought to him physically will not reject our bringing them today unto him? Do you know that as Jesus Christ opened up his arms to accept the children and embrace them, Jesus today is still embracing as many children that will come unto him? His embrace signifies his love and his corresponding words that they should not be prevented says to us that he is not saying, take these children away. They cannot do me any good for now. Bring them to me only when they can express understanding of my teaching. That's not what he said. You see, his word tells us that before the age of understanding, God can still do the children good. Before they become adults, that he can do them good. For he said, such is the kingdom of heaven. And in the previous chapter, there is something I want to point you to. In Mark chapter 9, a young boy, a child as well, with impure spirits, was brought to the disciples and then to Jesus by his father. Now, at this, the disciple did not say anything about the child should not be brought to the master. Rather, when they could not cast out the devil or the evil spirits in the child, they simply allowed the child to be brought to Jesus for healing. How many of us we allow our children to come to Christ for every other thing except for the salvation of their soul? How many of us will want them to come for healing, for success, but not for the salvation of their soul, a genuine Christian experience? Do we know that many parents will ask their children to pray for success in exams, to pray for healing, but not to pray for salvation, because they will not understand? Are you following me now? Just like the disciples would allow a child that had evil spirits to come to Jesus, Jesus does not only heal, Jesus also takes care of the soul. So I believe a lot of people forbidding the salvation of children today are parents and church people who claim to be followers or disciples of Jesus, but have prioritized the need for Jesus as a benefit to the body, not for the soul. And I want to say that a lot of people have come to Christ in their childhood. 
As a matter of fact, many of the ablest and noblest of Christian teachers in history were brought to the Savior in their childhood. For example, maybe some of us might have heard about Polycap. He was only nine years old when he gave himself to, to Jesus Christ. We know of people like Matthew Henry and Isaac Watts. They were not older than nine when they gave their life to Jesus Christ. William Channing could not even remember the time first turned to the Lord. Robert Hall, Baxter, Jonathan Edward, they sat at Jesus' feet as children. And the list goes on. People who came to know the Lord at a very, very young age. Perhaps you yourself came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ at a very early age. So surely, you can see that bringing your child or children to immediate decision for Christ is not a rare thing. As a matter of fact, it is the right thing. Now, statements like, he or she is too young, should have no place. We as Christian parents must bring our children, enroll them now, and let us encourage them to come in even with their toys in their hands to be blessed by Christ. Now, I know someone is asking or saying, how would you bring a child to the saving knowledge of Christ that early when the child has not developed the mental capacity to make a quote-unquote informed decision? Now, you see the problem. We have come to assume salvation is about mental capacity or head knowledge, which is what many people who claim they are saved today have anyways. And may I say that this misunderstanding underpins some of the errors we see in Christianity today. Salvation is not a matter of intellect. Salvation is the work of Christ through the Holy Spirit in the heart. It is an art experience. So salvation is a spiritual experience, a heart experience. Of course, it expresses itself externally, but it is not a mere physical experience. By the grace of God, I came to the saving knowledge of the Lord at an age I can't remember vividly. It might have been around the age of seven or eight, and I also got baptized in the Holy Spirit about the same time with the external evidence of speaking in tongues. And that time, someone might have said, I probably don't know what I was doing. And I can remember one particular experience vividly when the Holy Spirit came down in the compound we were living at the time. After I started leading a song, Fill My Cup, Lord, and Anointing Fall on Me, among many other songs, a few other kids joined me in the singing. And before we knew what was happening, the Holy Spirit came upon us all. Young people came under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And we're talking about children age 7, 8, 9, probably 10, and we're speaking in tongues. And before we knew it, neighbors rushed in, wondering what was happening, only to see people under the influence of the anointing and of the Holy Spirit praying in tongues. It was an experience I will never forget. And I must tell you, it was an impartation that left an indelible mark in my heart. Now, at that time, while many things didn't stick, that experience I had stuck. And it went a long way to shape my Christian life. Though there were dips along the way, one thing that remained true was the experience of the supernatural that I had. Now, I'm saying this because I need to mention that it is a supernatural work upon the heart. It is not the work of the intellect. And these supernatural works remains indelible upon the heart of a man. Now, did I go ahead living a life that was above reproach since then till now? The answer is no. But when I came to the age of 16, just about the age of 16, by the grace of God, I came to rededicate my life to the Lord. 
And it was not that anyone preached to me at the time. But you can be sure that all the knowledge and experience of the years before that time brought me to the realization of my state. And the Holy Spirit worked on all those knowledge and experiences to bring me back even to following the Lord and making a definite decision to follow God. Now, if you're asking, so what age or time would it be appropriate to minister to my child about giving his or her life to Jesus Christ? Is there a scriptural guideline for this? Now, my first reaction is that there is no date or age. Well, I believe that the Holy Spirit has a guideline that we have through the scriptures. And it's not about age, but rather about competence. So if you're asking, what can you do to bring your child to the Lord for a touch? First of all, dedicate your children to God at the beginning of their lives. And this is very important. We know that Samuel was dedicated to God in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 28. And also that our Lord Jesus Christ was dedicated to the Lord as well at the beginning of his life on earth, though he be the Son of God himself. You see in Luke chapter 2, verse 22 to 23, the Bible says, And when the days of our purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, who is the Lord? Hallelujah. So, as it is written in the law of the Lord, Every male that opened the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Now, I am aware that some of some may be saying, Oh, this is according to Moses' law, and it does not apply to me. But may I say that it is important you commit everything to God and you dedicate everything to God from the beginning. It is important you get God involved in the foundation of your life at the beginning of every project, and your child is not an exception to this. It is a symbol of your trust and reliance in God. It is a symbol of you acknowledging God. For the Bible says, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. Proverbs 3, 5-6 The second is when they begin to differentiate between their right hand and their left hand. When you begin to teach them, this is your right hand, this is your left hand. When they begin to see what is right and know what is wrong. Allow me to use a couple of passages to illustrate these truths. If you turn first to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 1, verse 39, the Bible there says, Moreover, your little ones, which he said, should be a prey, and your children, which in that day had no knowledge between good and evil, they shall go in thither, and unto them will I give it, and they shall possess it. Now this was the account of God's discipline of the Israelites in the wilderness for their unbelief. Note that clause, in that day, had no knowledge between good and evil. You will find that God spared the children after the parent had sinned against God. And the anchor here is that they had no knowledge between good and evil. So if they had knowledge between good and evil, it is reasonable to say they would have been culpable. If you also look at the book of Jonah, chapter 4, verse 11, the Bible says, And should not I spare Nineveh? That great city wherein are more than six core thousands persons that cannot descend between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. So you also note here that God in that conversation with Jonah anchored one of his reasons for sparing Nineveh on the fact that there are those that cannot descend between their right hand and their left hand. And this is well understood to refer to children. Therefore, 
it is evident that a child must be able to make a choice. Note that the scripture did not say anything about a specific age, as I've mentioned, but a specific competence, which are the ability to make a choice, because you need to make a choice before you can come to Christ. The ability to discern, because you need discernment to be able to obey the commandment of Christ. Now, before I leave this point, I believe it's important we put this matter of choice, discernment, and knowledge in the proper light so that we do not give room for misinterpretation. For anyone to make a right choice, there must be the capacity to distinguish or discriminate between options. And that's what we call discernment. And before someone can discern, there must be knowledge or insights on the possible options. So we will talk about knowledge very elaborately in the next episode. But it is important to emphasize that it begins at a time in which we, we instill instructions to our children. And godly instruction has a role to play in bringing our children to Christ. And this brings me to the third point as parents. We must expose our children to knowledge of God and encourage them to seek God's words very, very early. The Bible says that I love them that love me. And those that seek me early shall find me. Proverbs 8, 17. Where can we seek the Lord? In his word. And so one of the things that a parent can do very well is to expose the children to the knowledge of God's word at a very, very early age. There are many advantages to this. Number one, youthfulness is a time of learning. It is a time of discipline. It is a time of improvement. A time of acquiring useful, solid, and gracious habits. The time of strength and what a great benefit it is to do all this with your maker and with the knowledge of your maker. Are you with me now? Another reason why this is very beneficial and we should prioritize bringing our children early to Jesus is because their youthful age is their first fruit. And if you read your scriptures very well, you realize that first fruit always belongs to God. It is God's time. The time in which he is peculiarly gracious and to as many that seek him that very early, he pours out his benefit with great profusion. And perhaps you're a young person listening to this. May I say, you have an edge because God has offered himself to you with all his treasures of grace and glory. And you seek the Lord personally and diligently, irrespective of the depths of your parents' spirituality. You have an edge to know and be a friend of the living God. And you will save yourself from much pains, much troubles, and much regrets if you would come to embrace him early without delay. And parents, you will do the same thing to your children. You will give your children great benefits in life when you have brought them to Jesus very, very early. Now we end with the barriers to bringing our children to Christ that we must avoid. And I'll just mention two. The first, the too young mentality, which I've talked a little bit about. And then the too busy Christ mentality. Now, for the too young mentality, how many parents or guardians believe that their children will grow up to figure out Christ at some point? Some believe that Christ is to be sought at retirement. Perhaps the society has taught us that Christ should be put on the shelf until we are older. It should be the last thing we think about, right? And that this is the time to build a foundation for a good academics and career and life in this world. Perhaps we may not say that directly. 
Maybe we say that indirectly by focusing their attention on these things. Some congregations even make the mistake. And then when serious conversations are going on about salvation, about sanctification, about baptism with the Holy Spirit, we want to align the art of our children with food. Let's get them busy with food and fun and let the scriptural principles be for adults. May I say that childhood is the time of laying foundation. And what happens when Christ is not the foundation? As a Christian parent, brethren, don't be that parent. I will not consciously bring the children to Christ, but will wake up one day to demand the life of Christ in them. I want to repeat that. Don't be that Christian parent that would not consciously, intentionally bring the children to Christ, but would all of a sudden, when they get to a specific age, you demand the life of Christ in them. Now, the second thing I think we should avoid is the too busy Christ mentality. This is not just the problem of parents, but of many, like the disciples of Jesus Christ who rebuked the parents or those that brought the kids. There are some zealous people who believe that Christ is too busy with other things but children. And so dealing with children is above his dignity. There are also congregations whose leaders really have interaction with the children or the children's church. Or it's just once in a year or once in a very, very rare period. For the same reason, other people can deal with the children. Let Papa focus on the adults and young adults. Was this not the same act of the disciples that made Christ much displeased? Is it not the same thing when a minister, as a father in the house, will go focus on every other thing but the children? He can minister to a lot of people but the children. Now again, this is wrong. We cannot be too busy and forget that we have a very unique opportunity to build foundation, spiritual foundation, sound scriptural foundation for our children and consciously bring them to Jesus Christ. I want to repeat that just as in our text, preventing the children from coming to Christ for any reason brings much displeasure to Christ. The kingdom of heaven, which is open to publicans and sinners, is not closed to the little ones that Jesus loves. So I pray that God will help us and begin to, through his Holy Spirit, open our hearts to desiring and deciding to bring our children to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you once again for these words that you have given unto us in your holy scriptures concerning the need for us to bring our children early unto you and also for revealing to us your desire to have us bring them early to you not just their body, but their hearts through faith, brought unto you for a special thought and for your blessing. We pray that the grace that we need to do this and not to fail in bringing our children, you give unto us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much and God bless you.